Well, hi everyone and welcome to Rob Evans 365. It's day number 439. And I'm going to preface this up front by saying that this is the day after my surgery. I'm not 100%. Uh, it's fair to say that I am a little bit out of it still. I am at home now, I'm in my studio and <clears throat> I got out this morning and I'll tell you a little bit about the, the procedure and, and um, what I know. So I, I went in fairly quickly yesterday. I had to be there at 6 a.m. And I, I'll tell you a little bit more about what I did before that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I was in there at 6 a.m. And I didn't have to wait too long before they checked me into my room. Uh, sometimes there's a bit of a delay in, in doing that process, but um, it was okay yesterday and I then went up for surgery around uh, 9.30 but the person, there were two people before me and the person immediately before me, uh, they had had some uh, delays, maybe it was more complicated than they thought so I was actually sitting upstairs uh, I was lying upstairs in the bed with my contact lenses out, blind as a bat, can't see a thing, uh, for quite some time. And I fell asleep like three times. I was like on and off, nodding off. And um, because I, I had a very early start to the day, earlier than normal, uh, for reasons I'll tell you in a second. I uh, was lying there and uh, then went into the, the procedure and I spoke to the surgeon uh, before and I spoke to him uh, after and I spoke to him this morning again as well and they thought that the procedure might take about an hour and it's funny isn't it I mean you, you go in and you just you just lose uh, like that hour or so of time and uh, it was interesting I like to be kept informed of you know what my well just I'm, I'm just really interested in the human body so as soon as I'm conscious I I asked the nurses, you know, what's my blood pressure? Because they come and test it like every 10 minutes or so. Uh, what's my blood pressure? What's my heart rate? And uh, all of that I like to know. And, they, and um, oxygen saturation as well. I like to test all of that. And uh, anyway, I was in... Uh, well, I didn't know this until I was out of it all and back down in the room and a little bit, bit more coherent. And I asked them... Uh, how long the procedure was, and they said it was only 20 minutes. It was, it was a fairly quick one, which was good and bad, I suppose. It was like a, a quick in and out, and there wasn't too much to do, perhaps. So I didn't know at that stage what he'd done. And uh, they said that I was in recovery for about an hour to an hour and a half, uh, which didn't feel like that long, but obviously I'm only awake for a part of it. And I, I always have a little bit of trouble waking up um, I just want to sleep normally and I remember being up there for a, for a while before they brought me back, back down and I'm always very, always very loving and grateful and thankful when I come out of a general anaesthetic and I was just thanking them all and, and telling them what a great job they were doing and all that kind of stuff and um, yeah my blood pressure is always a little bit low it was a bit low going into it, which is, uh, was, uh, surprised me a little bit, but maybe because I'd been fasting for so long, 
um, I, my blood pressure was, I think it was around 103 over 64 uh, before I went in. So perfect around um, 110 over 70, 120 over 80, around that sort of mark. So for a while I've been around 110 over 70 now. And uh, my heart rate is normally like around resting heart rate, not 59, something like that. Uh, but my heart rate was uh, above 70, it's like 73, 74, I think 78 at one point. And um, anyway, it was, it hovered around those numbers for, for quite a while. And I was uh, just sleepy and, and drowsy for about an hour afterwards, but I needed to, I was really thirsty and I was able to have some water um, reasonably quickly. And I, I drank uh, a litre within, I don't know, within an hour, I reckon. I was just drinking more and more. I was just, I felt so dehydrated. It wasn't too long before I got up to go to the toilet. Very, very lightheaded. They decided not to do a block in my arm this time. Um, he said it was a bit easier for when I go home if he didn't do a block. Didn't seem to need it. I'm not in any pain at the moment. And uh, he just gave a local anaesthetic uh, directly into, uh, into the upper arm, the shoulder. And uh, yeah, I was, I was very dizzy, uh, like going to the toilet and, and stuff. And it was a few hours afterwards, really, just all the different medication. I don't like the medication in the system, but obviously you need it for pain relief and everything. And uh, yeah, they keep giving you all kinds of different things to, to help with the pain. I said, I'm not in any pain. And they wanted to keep it that way, obviously. Uh, so they kept giving me things. <clears throat> and mainly uh, Panadine Osteo and there was uh, some other things as well. I can't remember what they were. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they gave me Endone though, but um, the anaesthetist came down later to see how I was and I asked him if there was any codeine in him. So I know when I used to take Codrel tablets for a flu, they make me really quite dizzy. And he said, no, there was none of that, but he said it might have been the morphine um, that, um, that did it. And so by oh, mid-afternoon, uh, I was okay. They seemed to have been out of the system. I was drinking lots of water, so maybe that was helping flush it all out. Um, just makes, uh, makes you realise these things that they put in your body. I mean, I'm, my body's fairly sensitive to uh, putting, I guess impurities into my body and I, I do notice it uh, fairly quickly and um, uh, yeah I had I had uh, a nice uh, a nice oh they gave me sandwiches and oh, some other snacks or oh, some dry biscuits and stuff in the uh, oh, it's a couple of hours after I came out of, of surgery uh, which was nice because I was I was quite hungry I think my blood sugars had dropped a fair bit by then and so I had that. I took one of my Isogenics um, chocolate decadence protein bars, which uh, not that long after lunch, I had that as well. So I was really hungry. And that nice dinner. And I'm, I'm kind of fast tracking what happened through the day. I was just reading and uh, writing, doing some, some work on my, my phone, developing some stuff for social media. And uh, because I was, uh, I was just a bit out of it, nothing on TV. I mean, TV is rubbish, isn't it? I mean, I was flicking, they even had Foxtel and stuff there and I'm looking at some of the channels and it's just, oh, it's just rubbish. There's so much stuff that just doesn't interest me on TV. 
Um, so I just kind of had the golf in the background and uh, I was just doing work on the phone. And uh, what else? Then this morning, I'll tell you the other things that I did in a second, but um, uh, going to sleep last night, by the time we got, well, I'd been up since 3 a.m., um, so by the time we got to 9 p.m., it was after 9 p.m. actually last night, I thought, well, I was in a room by myself. Wait, now, this was interesting. I, I had a few interesting observations. Uh, hopefully, I can remember to capture them all. But uh, one of them was the last two times I've been in the same hospital, when you fill out your forms online for admission to the hospital, you have to uh, tick the box, would you like a shared room or a private room? And both the times that I've been there prior, I ticked uh, private room. And they said that they can't guarantee it because it depends. And I understand that. And each time I've ticked it, I've got a shared room. So I thought this time, oh, look, do you know what? It doesn't bother me. A, a shared room, it's okay. I normally talk to the other person. So I ticked a shared room. So I get there, I get a private room. I was like, oh, I don't understand that. So anyway, that was quite nice. A nice room, big room. I even had a desk there. Uh, so I had a few hours to kill in the morning, so I was doing some reading and, and so forth. Um, but uh, when it came to sleeping last night, I was walking around for a bit and I was really, really tired by 9 o'clock, so I took my contact lenses out. And you have to sleep up, like I have to sleep with a pillow kind of under my arm supporting it. I have to sleep in the sling. But those beds are never comfortable, and if I had to sleep um, um, like up, kind of. I could put the bed back a bit, but I couldn't be flat. So it was really quite uncomfortable. It took me like an hour or so to get to sleep. Um, I kind of, like, well, I won't say tossed and turned because I wasn't really able to move too much. And uh, I woke up a couple of times, went to the loo at, at some point in the like two o'clock or something like that. Woke up again at 10 past four. And then again, I, I didn't wake up until after six. So I, I got a reasonable amount of sleep, I think. I did wake up feeling uh, very sleepy. I just wanted to get the drip thing out of my arm. They had to give me another, another thing in there this morning. And then they took that out. I hate the feeling of that in the, in the hand. And uh, yeah, I was like, allowed to have a shower, get changed, have some brekkie. Well, I had brekkie first, actually. Uh, they came and changed my dressing at the the back of the, was that it bled a bit um, so they refreshed that which was nice and uh, then the physio came in and gave me his his five minute blurb not a great bedside manner I have to say he was more interested in just getting out of there I think um, uh, so my physio is uh, just what I was doing before anyway uh, for uh, you know my last surgery so I knew what it was that I needed to do and uh, yeah, then um, uh, Angela, my, my ex-wife, she came to, uh, to pick me up, which was nice of her. Obviously, I didn't have another way of getting home. I, took, I caught an Uber there, uh, which was pretty cool, um, talking to the, the guy there. Everybody that drives an Uber, they, they have another story, don't they? So it was fun talking to him. Mohammed was his name. And uh, yeah, so I got home. Oh, I don't know what time it was. Uh, I'm going to say 11 o'clock, around 11 o'clock this morning. Uh, I'm feeling really out of it, really tired. Um, obviously, I've still got drugs in my system. 
um, I'm supposed to be taking the, well, they've given me Endone. I said, look, I really don't need the Endone. I've got to know how much it costs. It's just a waste of money, really. I, I think uh, Endone's for when it gets really bad. And they say you can take up to two tablets. It's like, I don't want to take anything. Uh, the Endone's really powerful. That is quite addictive. Um, I'm not interested in having any of it. The last two surgeries, I haven't required it. I've just coped with the Panadol and uh, this time they've given me uh, the Panadol Osteo, which is, I don't know, works a little bit different, a bit more powerful or something. It's got other stuff in it. And so I'll probably just take that. I can take that three times a day and then I have to take an anti-inflammatory as well. Um, they have suggested that I ice the shoulder a few times. I mean, the, in terms of what I'm feeling right now, I'm walking around right now and it, uh, it feels fine. I have to be, it's in a sling needs to be in a sling for a while and uh, as soon as I'm comfortable to take it out I can but uh, it's only if I move it you know away from my body the elbow away from the body uh, that's when I can get some some pain but already it feels like it's less painful than it was last time and he said he was only going to do one incision but it looks like there's still the three incisions. I can see there's this one in the front and I can't see it right now but that if I put a little pressure on that that hurts uh, and there's certainly one at the back it looks like there's another one at the side there as well uh, so I think there is still the three incisions but I, so I spoke to the doctor last night Dr Evans and he he said that it all went really well he said he he went in there and um, yeah just shaved a bit off the collarbone shaved uh, a little bit off the other side of the AC joint. He said he cleaned it up a little bit in there. He said there was a, a bit of inflammation in there, as he expected, but he said everything else looks really good. He said it looks really good. So obviously that's why it was quite a quick procedure, just go in and shave a bit off here, shave a bit off there, sew me back up again. Uh, so he said he was really pleased with how it had gone, and he's going to see me in 10 days, have the stitches out, and um, just just go from go from there. So all in all, I think it's gone very well. I guess the proof is in the uh, the subsequent months and to, to how it goes. So no road to six hundred for me, and um, no bench press for for quite some time, uh, so that I can just make sure that everything goes more conservatively this time than last time. I think um, um, he doesn't seem to think that we'll will ever have a problem with it again. So that's good news. That's good news indeed. So right now, uh, yeah, I feel hazy. I feel a little bit, I wouldn't say lightheaded. I say just hazy. And that's just the medication. And obviously my body's gone through uh, surgery. It's gone through trauma. I've still got the drugs in my system. And I'm still putting drugs in my system. And they obviously have an impact. So... Um, unfortunately, I've got to keep taking them for a few days and then I'll just get them out of the system and hopefully be in my own bed tonight. Um, but again, I have to sleep in the sling. Uh, hopefully, I can get a much better sleep tonight. But um, I am working tonight um, and I have an extremely full day tomorrow. And then I have... Uh, a council event uh, tomorrow night so I've been invited as part of the the launch of a new a new leadership program at the the council um, so I'm a, an alumni a person that has has done the very first 
uh, leadership program in the, run by the council, so they've invited me back. And uh, I said that, um, yeah, I'll really try and make sure that I can get there, even though I'm only two days out of surgery, uh, because I just think it's important to, you know, be networking with these people and to be, you know, supporting um, a good cause. So um, it's a really, really busy, busy schedule. So we will see. I'm going to try and t take the kids to school tomorrow, but if I'm not up to not up to the driving, uh, then I won't uh, I won't do that. The kids are being dropped off here tonight um, by a, a friend of one of Emily's school friends' uh, mothers, and um, I've said to them that uh, they're going to have to help me out uh, for a little bit because. You don't realise when you've only got one hand, like just tying your shoelaces. Man, putting your undies on is really tricky. The hardest part is probably the shirt, to be honest. Um, that's, that's really tricky. Or drying yourself uh, under your arm. And, you know, when you have uh, two hands to, to dry yourself, it's a, a lot easier than just one. Uh, but I manage. The shoelaces are, are tricky with one hand. Uh, but I manage to get it done. But... I am also one of those people that doesn't tend to ask for help. So I have said to the kids, look, I need you to just help me out a bit. It might be good for Emily to, even if I don't need the help to ask her to see if she can help me out. But one of the things that I did make sure that I did before I went was made sure that I was prepared. So I made sure that I had plenty of food already prepared in the freezer, both for me and the kids. So that whether I do it or whether you know, they're helping out, it's just easier and uh, it makes sticking to my plan uh, really easy. So let's talk about that for a second. So um, how you manage your health and your fitness and uh, through this period of time, and it would be really, really easy to just say, well, I'm just going to go off for a, you know, three, four months while I rehabilitate and I won't worry about doing any exercise or anything like that. But do you think that sounds like me? Well, the answer to that, I think, is fairly obvious and no. So even yesterday, so day of the surgery, um, I thought, well, obviously I can't work out, but what, what did I do? I worked out the day before, the night before, I worked out my shoulder. It was a fantastic back and shoulder workout. And uh, on the day of the surgery, I thought, well, obviously I can't work out later, I'm not sure how I'm going to come out of the surgery. I know I'm going to be lying down, sleeping on and off. I'm not going to be able to do too much. It's not like I'm going to be able to go for a walk and get up my steps and, and that kind of stuff. So I said, what I will do is make sure that Monday is normally a, a cardio type day anyway. I said, what I will do is I'll make sure that I do my cardio to get my steps up before the surgery. So I got up at 3 a.m. and I got my 10,000 steps in well, actually, I got in about, uh, I'll say about 8,500 steps before I left home. So I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to get 10,000 steps up at the hospital just walking up and down. And uh, when I got to the hospital and I, I was checking in, I thought, well, I'm going to be lying down, sitting down for so long. I'm just going to, you know, walk around, pace up and down. You know, aren't people people funny. I mean, we were sitting there, there's a group of us all, all waiting to be called up next to be, you know, you go upstairs in the lift to be checked into your, your room and stuff. And there was an old bloke there with his wife that he was obviously having some surgery because he was on crutches. And uh, I heard him, uh, you know, muttering to his wife, why doesn't he just sit down? 
And, you know, like he's being really grumpy. Because I think at, at one point I walked past the, um, what do you call them, the automatic opening doors and they opened. And I, I didn't intend to do that. I just went a step too close. And it's like, seriously? <laughs> anyway, he, uh, he left a little while later and I kept walking. But then when I got to my room, um, I, I was in the room fairly early and um, I had a few hours before I was going to, you know, be going in for surgery. So I just paced around the room and it was a big enough room that I could walk around and around. I got my 10,000 steps up in my room just walking around. So I thought, there's no way I'm not going to do my 10,000 today. And that's the same for today. Obviously, I can't walk out, work out, uh, but I can do my steps. Uh, so I'm doing some steps right now. And uh, I have to be careful, obviously. I mean, I'm, my body has just gone through an operation, so I can't be ridiculous about it, but I'm just walking at a, a reasonable sort of pace. And uh, I'm doing it inside, so I'm just kind of working walking a circuit or walking up and down the, my hallway because I've got quite a long house. And uh, just making sure that I'm, I'm moving, I'm keeping into that routine because the last thing I want to do is just stop, stop moving. And uh, I'll probably need to have another little sleep before tonight because just the medication and everything I've gone through and I didn't sleep awesomely well last night, then I just have to make sure that I you know, I do give myself the appropriate rest uh, that I need and uh, hopefully get a good sleep tonight. Uh, so that was, a, that was a one thing that I did. In terms of my food, obviously I took some food with me. So I took my two isogenic snacks. Um, so my, um, my two chocolate uh, protein bars, I had one this morning um, after it was like my morning tea. And I've had lunch now. And uh, I had falafels with uh, a delicious salad, um, which was good. And uh, last night, so I ordered uh, on the menu, you're a bit restricted, but it was like lamb, lamb and vegetables, a slow-cooked lamb, actually. It was quite nice. And I had some fruit salad as well as a, there was a bread roll. And I did have some apple juice for lunch and for dinner um, because I thought I just really need to boost my blood sugar levels um, because of the fasting and what my body's gone through. And uh, for lunch, all they, had, all they gave me some sandwiches, which went down really nice when you're really hungry. And I had some fruit salad there as well. And I had some, oh, some dry biscuits, like little Savoy, Savoy biscuits. And there was a couple of sweet ones as well. So that was a like an hour or so after the surgery, I had those as well because I felt my blood sugar near, took a hit. And I would have drunken at least, at least three litres of water yesterday. I just kept drinking and drinking and drinking. Uh, one, because I was so thirsty, but they, they have the heating turned up in, in the hospital and uh, I think I was drying out as well. So I did everything within my power to make sure that I was uh, fueling myself the right way. Um, flushing out the toxins uh, that I could. And then since I've gotten home, um, so I haven't been home that long, so I've had uh, the big salad, uh, which was nice. And I've had my um, Isogenics Ionics, which is, uh, it's got the adaptogens in there. It's a really nice, it works really well. And it's an anti-stress one as well, because my body is going through quite a bit of stress now through that healing, healing process. And uh, I need to, I've, 
done a, a walkthrough of my rehab exercise in hospital. I need to, um, at the end of this, I will um, do my rehab exercises. Just a, it's basically three different exercises that I need, maybe four that I need to do, plus some neck stretching um, that I need to do because I'm wearing the sling all the time uh, for right now. And I need to do those about three or four times a day. And uh, yeah, just get it moving straight away is the, the bottom line without doing anything crazy to it. So I feel good about where I am. Obviously, I know it's been fixed now. Now it's about recovery. Um, I knew it was inevitable. So I'm glad it's done now. So let me tell you about a couple of the observations that I made yesterday. And I'm just going to take a, a sip of water here because I, I am a little dehydrated. Oh, you just can't beat water, can you? Um, so a couple of the observations. So one of the first observations I made was when I got to the floor, uh, the, it's the Patterson Ward, of the, the Avenue Hospital, the second floor. And when I got out of the, oh, I was waiting at reception because uh, there was no one at reception when I got there. And I was reading this sign. And it's, the sign said that anyone that's got a Samsung Galaxy phone must switch it off and remove it from the hospital immediately. I was like, oh, wow. Now, the sign was just located you know, on a wall there. It wasn't in the rooms, but it was located um, you know, on a wall, almost like a, just an A4 laminated sheet uh, on the wall. And I only read it because I was waiting and there was something there. I thought, oh, that looks interesting. I'll read it. And I thought, wow, that's super serious. It wasn't iPhone. It was just the Samsung Galaxy. And underneath it, they said the reason was that uh, around the world, they've had a number of serious uh, incidents where the Samsung phones have caught fire and um, in hospitals as well. So they're now banned from hospitals. Um, so maybe that's something to do with the technology with, I think, is it the, the Galaxy, I don't know what number, uh, where you can put them on top of each other and they charge and, and so forth. Maybe there's some electromagnetic interference or something there that causes them to get too hot and burst into flames. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, but then uh, when I was upstairs and I was waiting, I was lying down waiting, I didn't know that they did IVF there, but um, they obviously do because there were three ladies that came in um, kind of opposite and one, one booth down from me. I couldn't see them because I, I can't see without my contact lenses, but I I could hear them and they sounded like they were ladies in their, I'm going to say late 30s, early 40s. You know how when people just sound like they're more mature? And there were three of them that came in and uh, the one lady in particular, she came in and I think it's times like these where you, you realise how valuable your health is because when they were going through you have to answer the same questions over and over. I guess that's just the different checks uh, that they have to do at various points. But you must get asked the same questions, I would say, at least six times uh, in terms of what's your name and show them your tag and um, tell them what your, your full name is, your date of birth, etc. Do you know where you are? What are you having done today? 
all that kind of stuff to make sure that it marries up. And I felt like I would tell them something different just to fool with them, but I, I didn't. And uh, anyway, so they ask you, you know, do you, are you diabetic, do you have heart issues, this, this and this, and it's all no, 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 no. And they all say, oh, well, this is really easy. Um, you're fit and healthy and um, that's good. Now, obviously, they get most people that aren't like that. And this, I was listening to this lady over the road, and she's obviously not that old, but um, she was on different medications for uh, hypertension, uh, diabetes, asthma, um, and there were some other things as well. And I thought, oh wow! And they were they were just talking about all the different medicines that she um, she needs to take, and I thought, wow it really does pay to look after yourself. Now, I mean, if you, you get asthma, um, that's not always something you can do something about apart from take the, the medication. Um, but, you know, some of these other things, um, yeah, especially if it's type 2 diabetes, um, it was hard for me to tell whether the person was really overweight or, or not because of all the blankets and everything. But... It just really gave me an appreciation because you're listening to other people's stories and they're reeling off all the different conditions that they have and it makes you feel like, wow, I'm glad I look after myself um, because it's at moments like these where um, you realise that you know, it's all relevant to what it is that you're having done and it can have an impact on the anaesthetic and all of that kind of stuff. So um, I was, I guess it's just poignant that, you know, when you're in hospital and you, you're having a procedure yourself that you're surrounded by people that are obviously different to you and they're suffering from different conditions and um, everybody's there for a different reason. Maybe some of it's for poor health reasons, maybe for some of it's, it's like to, to have a baby and, and so forth. But I guess it, it puts it right in front of your face that uh, most people don't look after themselves. Most people don't take care of themselves. And they end up in, in hospital and it has an implication on, on other aspects of their life. Uh, so I did find that interesting. The same thing happened last time I was there and uh, the guy next to me he was... Only a young guy, and he was having hip replacements, and um, I think he had a bunch of other problems as well. So I'm lucky that I was just going in for a shoulder, and it was an elective surgery. Yeah. So anyway, the the other thing that I did yesterday was, again, you could be thinking, well, you're in hospital, um, you just need to be resting. Um, I I was resting, but I also have this problem where I can't just sit still. So I, I wanted to get out of bed as soon as I could. So I, I did spend a lot of the afternoon out of bed uh, because I knew that trying to sleep in that bed would be difficult later if I was lying down all the time. And I would just go back to sleep, I'm oh, sorry, go back to bed for a, just a little bit of a rest from time to time. And um, I, you know, I was, I was doing a, a little bit of work on my phone just to I'll sort through photos and, and that kind of stuff for some social media stuff that I've got coming up. Uh, but also, every Monday night, uh, we have a team meeting uh, with Kerry, and uh, it's via Zoom. And uh, I jumped in on that one too, and Kerry's like, 
what are you doing on the call? You're in hospital. And I said to her, do you know what? There's no excuses for uh, not trying to grow a business and be successful. And she had people in her team that weren't on the call. And I said, you need to take a photo of this and post it and say that there are no excuses because if I can make it and I'm in hospital, then what excuse has anyone else got? Like then, if you're serious about doing something, there just aren't any excuses. Just like me doing the 10,000 steps yesterday. If I can do it, if it means getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning so that I can do um, 10,000 steps, then you can do it too. Maybe under less extreme circumstances than that. And yes, I was in hospital and it would be easy to say, well, you should just be resting, you should be just you know, watching TV, sleeping, doing that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, that's one approach, but that's not me. So instead, I decided that I would do work, I would be productive. And instead, we had a great meeting last night and we've worked out what we're going to do for the next, next three months um, in terms of the, the isogenics business uh, side of things. So, uh, you know, it was very worthwhile. And I figure if I can do it, you can do it too. So, well, I mean, we're heading into spring, right? We're only a week away from the start of spring. And yet, I, I see more and more excuses every day from people that, you know, inquire with me and I push back a little bit and ask questions. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's, um, you know, that timing's probably not great for me. But it's like, but you inquired with me. I'm giving you free two weeks of boot camp and you're, you're now saying that, oh, yeah, I'm a little bit busy right now. I'll, I might come back in a couple of weeks. Well, why did you inquire now? You know, like uh, it was a good fleeting moment in your mind that, yeah, it would be a good thing to do, but actually now that you've come back and said I can do it tonight, I always say that to people. I say, oh, we've got a session on tonight if you'd like to come. You tell who the serious ones are because the serious ones are there tonight. The ones that aren't serious, I say, oh, look, I can't make tonight. Um, maybe I could try next week. I'll start next week. And then next week comes and you follow them up. Oh, yeah, I'm, I've got something on for my daughter's school. Uh, so maybe not tonight, maybe later in the week. And then you just never see them. I keep chasing them up, keep chasing them up. <laughs> and it's like people are just full of excuses if they want to be. You know, they just make up reasons as to why they can't make it, why they can't do things. And we're, we're a, a soft generation. Well, more and more generations are becoming softer because I don't know why. We're just used to being sucked into a, a busy world or something and, and not, um, not prepared to step up and do what's necessary to take your life and your health and your fitness to a new level. It's like, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough. I confirmed these stats yesterday. This is out of the 2018, I think it was like the National Health Survey or the, um, the ABS, Australian Bureau of Statistics. Uh, but it is 67% of the Australian population is considered overweight. 67.7, sorry, I can't speak properly. 67% of the Australian population is considered overweight. That leaves only 33% of the population is considered in the healthy weight range. 
Now, if that, that's just a healthy weight range. That doesn't mean healthy because within that healthy weight range, and I would liken this to uh, you know, some races of people uh, are generally smaller than others. It doesn't necessarily make them healthy, but just by virtue of their, uh, their race and so forth, they are a smaller, smaller frame, smaller person, um, and therefore you know, not considered overweight, but they're also not healthy. Like I have a, a number of clients that, if you want to use the term skinny fat, um, but when they come to me and they don't need to lose weight, but they're, they're not super healthy, and people might look at them and say, oh gee, I wish I looked like you, but these people maybe have health issues, um, they're certainly not strong, they're not fit, they're not vibrant, they're not energised, uh, and, they, and they want to do more. So you've got a big chunk of that 33% that will fall into that category. I reckon it's probably closer to maybe, I don't know, 2 to 5%, maybe it's 1% to 5% of that 33% that would be considered to be um, you know, living a, a really healthy, energised, fit life. And that, that's terrible. That's a terrible statistic. So you have the ability to do all of this. You have the ability to lead the life that you want and the level of fitness that you want. I'm walking proof of it. I'm not special. Well, we're all special, but you know what I mean. I'm not like superhuman. I've just chosen to do the things that I do because I know what's important to me. And uh, you can jump on social media, you can see my, my videos, I haven't watched them back, um, but I recorded a video yesterday about an hour or so after I came out of the surgery and I don't even know whether I'm talking properly because I'm, I'm feeling really out of it and really lightheaded. Uh, but the point is, I, I still recorded that video and recorded subsequent videos through the day because I, I wanted to give people the message and show show you that just because that I'm having surgery doesn't mean that everything else has to stop. It doesn't mean that I can't still be focused on making a difference to other people's lives. It doesn't mean that I can't, uh, I, I have to stop to make a difference to my own health and wellness. It, it doesn't have to be that way. Just because somebody may say that, oh, you should be doing this. Well, that's your view. It doesn't have to be my view. It doesn't have to be your view. It's someone else's view. It doesn't have to be yours. You don't have to live like that. You can choose to set your own standards. And my challenge to you is to raise your standards. Decide to live a different level of health and fitness. Decide to make those changes for yourself. Now, I will just pause right here. I, got, I, I know she's listening right now. And I got a... Um, a beautiful letter um, emailed to me on the morning of, so Monday morning of my surgery. And it was the, the only email that I replied to on, on that morning uh, because I, I wanted to get my steps in and I was about to be picked up by my Uber driver. Uh, but this is somebody that um, came to an event that I ran uh, down at Phillip Island uh, a, a few years ago. And I haven't seen her since due to her work and family commitments and stuff. And she's now moved away. Uh, but it was a beautiful letter just saying how this podcast has helped inspire her. And the, the weekend that we had uh, down at Phillip Island really had a, a deep, impactful 
um, impact on her, I said that yesterday too, I think, impactful impact, had a deep impact on her, her thinking and that she needed to change things about, about her life and she wasn't in a good spot and now she is in a much better place in her life and she goes for a walk and she listens to the podcast every day and so a special shout out to you, Sharon, and uh, thank you for uh, being a, an avid listener and I'm glad that it's uh, continuing to have a, an impact for you. And um, I know that the, the messages are, are seeking home for you and it's making a real difference. So um, thank you uh, for listening. But, you know, we all have this potential within us to have such a, a deeper impact on ourselves. I think we... I don't know. Maybe I could liken this to the TV. So let's take the TV. How come they didn't go straight from a black and white TV to a 3D TV? Now you could say, well, the technology didn't exist at the time. Well, maybe that's true, but I also think a part of it is the way of the human thinking and what was... It's almost like we, we can only see, well, what's that next thing in front of us? And it's, it's like, the, okay, well, from black and white, it's colour. And then from colour, it went to a bigger screen. And then, you know, it went to a better quality image and, and so forth. But it's, like we're, it's not like we're thinking 20 steps ahead. So there wasn't thinking to black and white TV through to, I don't know, 4K uh, type technology uh, and it's like we, we just have this incremental like you look at the phones and you know they go from they they went from a big brick phone to something smaller to ones where you could then text and yes you didn't always text on your phone to one that you could then uh, text on uh, ones that were then slimmer ones that you could then have internet access through to then you could watch tv on etc uh, etc et no keypads um, color, you know, all that kind of stuff. But we didn't go from the brick to a color texting for free, all that kind of stuff. Now, part of that was, well, the technology didn't exist for the towers. But again, why wasn't the thinking there then? It's like we went from this step to this step to this step to, okay, we need to, you know, put towers up. We need to put more towers up. We need to increase bandwidth. We need to go to fiber optics. Um, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, we tend to do this with our health and fitness as well. We tend to just think, okay, I want to achieve this, and we go that a little bit further. We don't say, okay, I'm going to go win an Olympic gold medal. Now, that's not going to be possible for most of us, um, but do you know what I mean? When you start a journey, it's like, okay, I'm going to run a marathon and win it at the Olympics. Um, it's like, well, let's just start running. Let's... Let's see if I enjoy running. And then from there, you start to do, maybe you do the park run, you do five kilometers every week, and then you say, okay, I want to do that twice, I'll make it 10 kilometers, etc., etc. I guess my point is that uh, when it comes to your own health and fitness, you've, you've made a commitment to do something, and maybe you're starting out with walking. And then what I would say is if you, the fastest way for you to transform your body is to do resistance training, do strength training, 
the cardiovascular fitness, walking and all that sort of stuff is great. I mean, that's what I, I do a lot of that. But what changes the shape of my body is strength training. That's where the muscles develop, the fat diminishes faster. That's where you change the shape. You make those sexy shapes that you want on your body and um, you, you're building muscles, you're becoming toned, you're becoming firm and you feel good. That's your fastest ticket to uh, you know, changing the shape of your body. The question is, you've just got to determine, okay, so what do I want to look like? Do I, want to, do I just want to be smooth and slim and healthy? Or do I want to be muscular? Do I want to be more toned, more shapely? And then what I'm saying is I want you to raise your standard, whatever you set it at right now, I want you to raise it a little bit more or maybe a lot more and say, do you know what? I want to achieve this for me. Like for me, I want to achieve a six pack again, that six pack look for me. Now, that's a challenge obviously right now because of the, the shoulder and the fact that in a few weeks time, I've got to have some more surgery to have this hernia fixed. Um, so I'm not going to be able to do anything uh, too much abdominally wise uh, for a little while only light stuff anyway uh, so um, but my point is that I've set the bar high for myself because I know in order for me to achieve that it requires a lot of work from me and it requires a lot more dedication to my uh, to my eating so that um, you know I don't stray because if I have too many layers there you won't see the six-pack we've all got one it's just that you can't see it because it's covered in fat uh, so that's the trick with that one. And then being able to maintain it in a way that um, is sustainable for me is, is also really important. So that's my challenge for you today to really have a think about uh, you know, raising your standards just that little bit or a lot higher so that you start living life on a different level. And you know, push yourself, challenge yourself to achieve something different. Because if I can do all these things in the last couple of days, even though I'm in hospital when you could be thinking I could be just sitting there doing nothing, uh, you can still be focusing on what's important. And the reason that I did those things is because it's the absolute one of the most important things in my life. And it doesn't matter what obstacles may be in my way, I will find a way to make sure that I still make it all happen. So you have a great day and I will see you tomorrow when I'm probably I'm a little bit more rested and not as drugged out as I am right now. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks for all the well wishes too. Thank you. Bye.